0: What is up? Brad here with another episode of How to Win with Brad DeMint. I am here today with a special guest, Anna Polina Luna. She is an Air Force veteran and congressional candidate for District 13. Anna, how you doing?
1: Thank you so much for having me on. Very excited to be here.
0: Hey, I'm excited to have you on too. You know, we've uh, we met each other a while back and we finally got to get on the podcast together.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: So I want to talk about a lot of things. You know, one, one interesting thing about you, Anna, is your story. And uh, I want to talk a little bit, you know, go right into what are some obstacles that you've had to overcome in your life and on your journey and how'd you overcome them?
1: So I think, you know, when people look at me, they obviously, I, you know, it's just human nature to kind of just automatically judge someone, right? Like we all do it subconsciously, whether we want to or not. Um, when people look at me, I think they think I'm, you know, that typical chick that hangs out at a Starbucks and yoga pants and Ugg boots, but that's like the farthest thing from the truth. You know, um, the reason I had to join the military is because I, I knew I wanted to go to school, but I had no money to do it. And my family was really at the point where I think from the time I was about 15 on, I was pretty much on my own. Um, I actually moved out my senior year in high school. I had my own apartment and I'd been working full time while I was going to school. And so I had basically been over at a house party and I heard two guys talking and they were Marines over at Camp Pendleton. Um, I'm originally from California and they said, hey, you know, I'm starting classes on Monday. And so that was always something that I wanted to do. I had no idea how to even apply to college. I didn't even know what the the ACT was because when I went, I went to six high schools and all through that entire process, no one ever sat me down, no counselor was ever like, oh, hey, you have to take this if you wanna go to school, right? So I heard what they're talking about. And I said, you know, I'm sorry I'm interrupting, but like, how are you going to school? And they said, oh, well, our work pays for it. And I was like, well, what do you do? And they said, oh, well, we're Marines. (laughs) So I went that Monday and I went to talk to an Air Force recruiter. And um, I'd actually stumbled into an Army recruiter first. And then someone kind of pulled me aside. They said, you should probably go to talk to the Air Force office because they'll tell you a whole bunch of different stuff. And you want to make sure that you're not getting lied to. So I went over to the Air Force recruiter and um, ended up enlisting. I didn't tell anyone in my family. And it wasn't until two months before I was supposed to leave that I told my mom, I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm joining the military. And she freaked out. I mean, this was, we were basically in the middle of the global war on terror. And so she automatically thinks, you know, my daughter's joining in a wartime and she's going to basically go die. Um, I obviously didn't deploy, but nonetheless, I still served. And so, you know, it was a military that really provided me, I think, the foundation and structure that I needed to succeed But going back to your original question, I mean, obstacles I faced, some of the basics, like, you know, am I going to have a roof over my head? Like, how do I afford gasoline? Like, I was a young kid, no college education really no financial support or really support from my family. And so when I found out about the military, it really gave me the structure that I needed to excel. And so now, you know, I have the things that I've worked very hard for, but I'm a firm believer in not really embracing a victim mentality. You know, we're in one of the greatest countries in the world where you have the opportunity to excel and to succeed as long as you put in the hard work and effort. And so I think that I'm the living embodiment of that. Um, it's been something that I don't take for granted. It's been something that I, that I focused on pretty much my entire adult life. And so I'm at where I'm at now because of those decisions that I've made. So just because you're dealt maybe not necessarily a good hand doesn't mean that you can't turn that around or really help people with your life experiences at the end of the day.
0: So, yeah, you know, and I think the way when you grew up, you, you didn't have, you know, it was, it was hard growing up for you. And, but I think that really made you who you are. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, for all my listeners listening to this, like, you know, it doesn't matter in the past or how you grow up. It's, it's about, you know, what, how you, what you do with that, right?
1: Exactly. So
0: talk a little bit about that, like growing up, like how, how did you overcome some of those obstacles that you had to face when you were younger?
1: So I grew up in the welfare system. I had a very young single mom who ended up basically walking home from an abortion clinic. And she decided early on that she was going to keep me. And for someone like myself, I mean, you grow up seeing all these things, but really until you remove yourself, I think from that environment, you kind of take yourself out of what I would call somewhat of a toxic situation. Um, You don't realize that that's not normal, right? So like little things growing up, like I had a cousin murdered. She was shot in the head when I was 12. Twelve. I remember going to a funeral. That wasn't not normal to me. I I know when I would go to my dad's house, I would hear gunshots. There'd be helicopters. I walked into an armed robbery. That was not normal for me. Um, I had plenty of friends that were divorced or like who'd had parents that were struggling with substance abuse issues. That was not abnormal to me. And so when I joined the military and really took myself out of that situation that's when I realized, oh, maybe that wasn't exactly a normal way to grow up. But I think throughout all of that, the one thing that I did have was my faith. And so although my dad wasn't a perfect person and really in the picture all that much, the one thing that we would do when we were together is we would go to church. And so I think that that foundation, whether I realized that I was being exposed to, you know, Christian values then, I think that that subconsciously had a positive effect on me because looking back at my decisions that I made, like of what, right and wrong is and why I chose to do certain things that I did. It was really because I had that foundation and faith. And so, you know, overcoming obstacles really it came down to me deciding at that time even though i was young to do what i believe i believed was the right decision and really to start speaking out when i saw things that were wrong so like my mom was in very toxic abusive relationships and i would tell her as a kid i'd be like mom that's not that's not normal and so you see all that stuff and you realize that you know there is definitely power not just in yourself but in other people's lives about speaking the truth and speaking out when you see things wrong
0: Thanks for sharing that. You know, I, I really do love your story. And if people want to learn more about that, I mean, you can just look up on YouTube and stuff and see more about Anna's story because it, it really is awesome to see what you've overcome. Um, and, and like, I mean, I love that you said, you know, faith is one of those things where you can really, you know, use that to overcome a lot of adversity. Um, so, you know, going back to the military a little bit, what do you think, what's what one of the key takeaways that you got from the military?
1: Definitely, it was probably one of the most humbling experiences. So there's so much when people say the military and they just blanket statement, what people don't realize is like, when you join the military, you definitely become a part of this family. And I think it's even like more so than just like a sorority fraternity, it literally becomes your family, like you're serving. I remember this one distinct memory, I'll never forget, I walked into the chow hall, and that was where we would eat our meals. And as a younger ranking enlisted member, you're, you know, it goes by E1 through E4, basically, um, the rank structure. And so you'd walk into the shower and there's kids that were 17, 18, and 19 years old. So it was really like being kind of in high school cafeteria. And these are all kids, and yes, you can join the military at 17 with parental consent. And I did serve with a few very, like way younger than me, um, Airmen because of that. But you're going in and you realize that all of these people are now, going from places of basically their homes or high schools. Now they're out in, whether it's a different country, a different state, but they're way away from their family. So your sergeants become your parents and your your unit becomes your extended family. And then you kind of branch out. So I think that the first thing I learned was really, being able to relate to people and give people an opportunity that I would probably never otherwise have talked to. The military takes away your, your normal dress, which is how a lot of people express themselves. So I would be talking with people and they would be in uniforms and I had no idea what their story was. I was basically forced to know them and acknowledge them based on what their personality was. And so that to me coming from somewhere like Los Angeles, coming from places where I saw a lot of gang violence, especially between like the black and the Hispanic community, Um, That was a very, very humbling experience. I mean, you're literally dealing with people that you probably would have never expected yourself to hang out with in the first place. And so that was the first one. The second thing I learned was that, again, hard work pays off. I remember talking to some of my sergeants, seeing that they had nice cars, seeing that they had great homes. But guess what? They did it because they were being financially independent and financially responsible. And so the military will actually take you and like walk you through finance classes when you first get to your base. They tell you what a credit card is. I had no idea what any of this stuff was. And then also, too, I think the value of education. The military really does especially the Air Force, they send you to continuing service um, courses, whether it's for professional development or whether it's for what you're doing um, in regards to your own furtherment to further your educational career. And actually, if you go to school, it's considered a good thing because you actually get a higher rating on your performance report, basically, for it. So I was able to do all that through the military. So it really did teach me how to adult, basically.
0: (laughs) Well, that's awesome, though. You know, a lot of people need that. That's why I love everyone that's in the military, and you know, that's learned a lot from the military, because there's so many things that you can take away that you can use in life, yeah. right? So, I and I can definitely see. You know, that was I'm I'm awesome for sharing that. Um, I want to talk about leadership. So, what do you think the key traits of a leader is?
1: I think the key traits of a leader is making sure, and they always say in the military, you know, you don't eat until your your troops eat first, basically. So if you're a good leader, you're accept, accept, accepting full responsibility for anything that your team is doing, right? And I think that's something that we see on a day-to-day basis. Like I know that if my team's not happy, I'm not going to be happy because their performance is going to drop. And basically if I want a successful campaign, I have to make sure that they're being treated well. So I think that when people kind of come in and I see this all the time, even in media or even in doing outreach that people are so motivated for themselves. But the thing is, is, If you have no team to support yourself, you're not gonna get anywhere. And so I see this all the time and I actually do incorporate a lot of this to what I do, especially in outreach, is that you have to set up people to succeed, right? And if you're all succeeding together, your message is succeeding. So it's that one team, one fight mentality. Um, Good traits of a leader would be making sure that you're able to listen, making sure that you're able to communicate your message clearly. I am definitely a firm believer in making sure that I'm being clear when I can. And it's not about hurting people's feelings. It's about making sure that the message is, and if there's an issue that it's being corrected appropriately, if you see something wrong and it's not working, regroup, restructure and fix it. And frankly, it's actually helped us a lot with the campaign. So it's definitely interesting because, you know, you join the military and then you realize how much you take from when you have that experience and you incorporate it in your day-to-day life. And I can say that that's not just the case for myself it's a case for so many of the people that I've served with to include other veterans that I've met in in the political atmosphere and there's not a lot of us and so you can see that they all have those traits I mean like you'll see sometimes I do that that's called the knife hand that's something that bad habit that I picked up while I served but
0: <laughs> well I love that because you know you definitely are a leader like you know I I found that out as soon as I met you you know when I met you the first time I was like you know she's definitely a leader and I liked you the second I met you and I think that's another thing you know that leaders like you kind of have that impact on people. You lead that team, you help people, right? So I, I, all the things you said are awesome. And um, thank you. if you guys are listening to this right now, make sure, you know, think about what she just said, those leadership skills that she learned. You can use that in life, right? Um, so I want to go into, so I met your husband, Andy. He's an awesome guy. And uh, it seems like you guys have a great relationship. Yes. What do you think people listening could take, uh, take away from your relationship and learn from Um, you know, some advice that that'll help has helped you in your relationship.
1: So I've actually been with Andy for 11 years. I feel so old saying that, like actually just hit me now how old I feel. I've been with him for so long. Um, And actually when I met Andy, he was actually my friend. So I was never, I never anticipated on dating him, but one of the, I think, key successes for a healthy relationship, and this is something that actually kept us together through all of the deployments, because Andy has about five combat deployments one of which he was shot on and then made a full recovery and then continued to deploy. So the one key success trait that I see all the time is that people will jump into relationships, but they're not actually friends with their significant others before they start that relationship. And that is so, that's such a red flag. Like if you can't chill with your significant other on a regular basis, then you shouldn't be with them. And I say that because of the fact that, you know, after like five years of marriage or even being with someone, and then even after seven, after 10 years, you have to make sure that you can actually have conversations with people because people get so caught up in, you know, the Twitter patient that occurs when you first meet someone you really like, you think that they're cute and all that, but that eventually not saying that it fades, but like you have to have something else there that's substantive. So especially with the campaign, I mean, everything that we do I know Andy knows me so well now to where I can be somewhere else. He'll know exactly what I need. And it's there when I get back to the house and it's easy because with the campaign, I mean, for God's sakes, we're working so much. You sometimes forget to eat. And so Andy will like come drop food off or like, he's really there kind of as my support system. And so I did tell him, I was like, look, I gave you basically 10 years in the military and I was there for you every step of the way I was going to school. I was in the military too, but I really supported you through your deployment. So you're going to give me 10 years of politics and that's our agreement. (laughs)
0: I love that. Cause you know, it's funny, like, you know, I I was thinking about that and that's why I wanted to ask you that is because you guys really do. I mean, you guys are awesome together. Every time that you've been together, I've met both of you. Um, but you know, you guys are both doing a lot, you know, he's in the military, you're doing politics. You guys are both in the military at the same time. So, you know, I bet that some of that was hard, but you guys stay together and you're always there for each other.
1: We're I mean, it hasn't been perfect. No relationship is, but the funny thing is is that I'm super type A and he's super type A so when you have some two type A personality is like, I mean, there, I usually sometimes I'll bend, sometimes he bends and like, that's part of the compromise. But I mean, again, going back to leadership uh, traits and, and problems, if there's an issue, please trust and believe that it's addressed and then it's corrected. And so like, that's been one thing that like, we'll joke about it. Like I can't stay mad at him. He starts laughing and then I'm like, okay, I'm trying to be serious. And then I start laughing, but you know, everything that we've learned, again, like growing up together, it's something that's really held us together now. And it's funny because so many people are like, oh, in politics, especially or in the media, your family members come under attack, your relationship comes up under attack. And I say, yeah, if you're shady, (laughs) but I'm not shady. And I always have someone with me for accountability. Like whenever I travel, I travel with a team, you know, I don't drink publicly. I really don't even drink at all. So like, we don't have to worry about that. Like there's not a trust issue there. And so Andy knows who I am. I know who he is. And it's been really great to kind of been able to attack this campaign with my friend, basically more than anything.
0: That's awesome. I love that. You know, you just, you guys are friends. And that's what I think that's the key right there. If you're listening to this guys, you know, in a relationship, just become friends. I mean, that's, that's your friend. And really if you end up getting married, that's your friend for, for life, hopefully, you know, so that's, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I want to jump into gratefulness, right? So like me, being grateful is something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I always do is think about what I'm grateful for. Um, i want to, you know I want to know why you think it's so important to be grateful.
1: I think because there's you know everything that you have in your life, you I, I think people subconsciously will compare themselves to others. but I mean,'ll I'll, I'll put an example this way. So I've actually traveled to 25 different countries around the world. And in all 25 of these countries, I've gone to some of the poorest regions in India. And I remember going through India in like literally the slums where like, you're talking about people are living in center dividers of dirt, like like in rags. And I remember thinking, wow, I have everything right now. And I'm looking at these people and I was looking at how I was living and how they're living. And a lot of these people I realized were super happy, but like happier than some of the people that I've met that are billionaires. And so I'm looking at this and that's like the, I think the comparison factor that you, if, as long as you have good health, there's really nothing else that you should be comparing yourself to. Cause you can't buy good health. That's like really, I think a true measure of like being grateful for everything that you have. And ultimately if you're busy and you're caught up in comparing yourself to other people, or comparing yourself to what you're supposed to have and not realizing what you already do have, you're never gonna be happy because it's never gonna be enough. And so I know that, you know, it's kind of interesting. I'm married to Andy, we're in the military and we meet so many people and they're from all different walks of life. I mean, like you name I've met like heiresses, it's like people that started with nothing kind of similar to me that are like, you know, mega loaded now and you just realize that the one common thread that some of these people have is that they're grateful for everything that they have and they use their life stories to help others. And I find that the happiest people, the ones that are most grateful for what they've done are the people that are actually helping their communities. And so I think that there's a lot to be said about people that give back. And actually in everything that I do, a lot of what I've done, even to this day, like I'm still working to help the community nationally and locally. I mean, during when we were on the hardcore lockdowns with covid Um, I, you know, I personally helped to facilitate the donation of 10,000 masks and like, that's giving back to the community. No one asked me to do that. Like I did it because I could, and it made me feel good to do that. So that's kind of what I like to do. And that's my little success secret on why I'm happy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you hit it too. There is giving back. is so important. You know, if you can give back, go ahead and do it. Like I love doing that, you know, just,
1: uh, you never know what
0: somebody else is going through, you know? So um, that's that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And and I you know I feel you a hundred percent on that because you know I've been places, seen what other people have gone through, and it's like, wow. I mean, I'm grateful for just my health. I'm grateful for you know, waking up this morning. Right. You it's know? like
1: when you're when you're at the end of your life. It's one thing people say is like enjoy your youth, like enjoy your health, like take care of your body. You know, and that's I'm a big like organic health nut. Although sometimes I have a Taco Bell habit, and I'm working on breaking that. <laughs> but um. I definitely do kind of appreciate being healthy. Like you, you have one body. Okay. You're not getting new ones, So make sure you're taking care of it.
0: Oh, hundred percent. So Anna, what are you passionate about?
1: Um, right now I definitely am very, very motivated to fight for my beliefs, especially in regards to what's happening kind of on a, in a political arena. I'm super, super, passionate about preserving the constitution and also to fighting socialism. And so I definitely find right now that, you know, you look at the grand scheme of things. Um, I feel like so many times Republicans as a whole, you know, full disclosure, I'm a Republican, um, get kind of a batter rap. but like, I do care about the environment. I do, you know, I've worked with an organization called Forest Blue that does coral reef restoration And I do care about animals a lot. And I don't know if you've ever like gone to my Instagram or my Facebook, but I have so many animal pictures on there because I genuinely love taking care of those things. So I actually just helped my friend David hand feed a a parrot that we found that fell out of a tree and it's now flying and we've basically fully rehabilitated it. But I think animals are important. I think nature is important. I think preserving um, ecosystems for future generations are important. So I'd have to say that I think that what's important to me overall is just making sure that, you know, we're not so far gone in society that we're really just destroying our home. Right. Like I want a better home for everyone, even though I don't agree with them. So that really that's been kind of my objective, not just politically, but in regards to the environment. And then also too, I think, you know, when it comes to personal interactions with people.
0: Yeah. And I want to go into too is like what's a long term goal of your yours besides politics?
1: So long term, which I think it's going to rocket forward very quickly from what I'm saying, just it already has in the last two years. Uh, but eventually I'd have to say that I would like to, I think my, I will be happiest in life when I can finally retire from politics and throw my cell phone in the ocean. Not really, I'll recycle it, but throw myself cell phone away and basically go somewhere and have horses. <laughs> and so that's kind of my end objective. I've actually gone horseback riding. There's um, a farm actually north of Tampa that I've gone out to. And I just, I really like being around animals. And so I kind of just like want a quiet life outside of media. And I know that sounds weird, but I'm actually super introvert. I definitely need my breaks from time to time to just fully recharge because I'm really good at explaining my message and it's great. But you know, you have to make sure that you're taking care of like your mental health as well. And sometimes being in media, being on social media, it can be really draining. And so I like to take my breaks and kind of just—I love to travel. I want to travel. I want to retire, and I don't want to have cell phone service while I'm doing it.
0: <laughs> hey, that's awesome, though. You know, I actually like riding horses too. That's one thing that uh, not many people even know that about me. But my aunt has a ranch in Tennessee, and I go up there, and I'm always—you know—I've been riding horses since I was little, and I—that's I
1: love- amazing. Yeah, I've actually—I started riding when I was 23. And I actually had always wanted to ride this going, like when I was growing up, I always wanted to ride. So I started paying for, um, English riding lessons and then Andy got shot. So I put it on hold for a little bit, but I love horseback riding. That is my jam. I could go out there and I'm not thinking about anything but the horse. It is the most fun thing that I could ever do. So I love horses.
0: (laughs) Me too. And and if you listen to this right now, think about that guys, you know, you got to go out and have fun too. You know, I know we talk about a lot of serious stuff sometimes in this podcast. You know, it's called how to win. We talk about winning and life, money, sales, business. You know, mental health stuff like that. But you guys got to have fun too, right? You know, it's it's part of life. And you know, just like Anna said, you know, after you know, obviously I see a long uh, long run for you know politics for you. I I, I feel like you're And gonna- years is
1: my cutoff. Remember, no more after ten.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, no, I I this is the thing though is like that's why I wanted to ask you after politics because you know, obviously like that's, I hope you win. And I, you know, I'm definitely going to vote for you. And I think that, um, you know, seeing what you're going to do in politics is awesome. But, you know, after that, like you got to think about what, and that's why I wanted to ask you that. And I think I wanted people that are listening to think about that too, is like, yeah, you have a goal, but once you accomplish that goal, you have to know what your the next goal going to be. You know? Yeah. It's
1: actually, um, I've also too, I did get into a medical school program and actually put off that to basically help save the country, in my opinion. And ultimately that door is never closed, right? You can go back to school. You could be 80 years old and go back to school and I like skin. And so I might somewhere down the line, after politics, you know, cause I don't want to be that person that's like doing this. I don't want to be doing this when I'm like 60 years old. Yeah. It's exhausting. Um, but you know, I, maybe after that, I might consider going back, but ultimately, you know, I would really just, I think at this point, I want to have a little farm and, all
0: today. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I think, uh, you know, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, you're definitely going to get there and I, I, I'm supporting you 100%. Um, I want to go into why educating yourself is so important. So I'm big on, you know, like, you know, learning stuff and like always be learning and, you know, learning different things and different perspectives of people and stuff like that. Why yeah. do you think education is so important?
1: So, and I'll kind of segue this. So I actually went to six high schools. I didn't, the public education system absolutely failed me, right? So like I was kind of one of those people that was, I fell through the cracks. And because I had gone and I moved to so many high schools, the counselors probably saw my transfer and they're just like, there's nothing that we could, like this person might not even graduate from high school, which I ended up graduating, but it was it was a long road. Um, for me, if it weren't for me joining, taking that choice to join the military and then going to the education office and finding out how to apply to college, I would have never been able to go to college. I would have never earned a STEM degree. And then after the fact, if I never would have started to look into post-traumatic stress disorder, what really happens with the military when people are hurt, I probably wouldn't have been able to help so many of my friends and family that dealt with that after deploying. And if it weren't for those things, I would have never come across human trafficking. And I would have never been able to self-educate on how big of an issue that is currently in the United States and especially at the border. And I would have never probably gotten political. And so in all of those things, I was taking initiative, even though I didn't know things, even though it seemed like it was this big intimidating task, right? Like imagine barely graduating from high school and then saying, you want to become a doctor (laughs) and all of the in-between. I had to self-educate. I had to learn how to do that stuff. I had to learn that so that I could accomplish these goals. So it can bring you from this to this if you want it to. So it really is a way of, I think, one, not just becoming successful, but giving you different perspective and allowing you to address issues that need fixing.
0: Well, yeah, you know, and for me, I also in high school, you know, I was, I was messing around all the time, not really taking it too seriously. And I almost didn't graduate too. And, you know, I took it seriously towards the end, of the end of high school and I ended up graduating, same type of thing. Um, but a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now, if I didn't, you know, seek information and go out there and learn things, you know, I would have been stuck doing, you know, I, I could have gone to college, but I, I didn't want to, because I knew that it was going to slow me down for what I wanted to do. And for what I want to do in life, you know, in real estate and I'm in the title insurance business, like I don't, in spe- speaking stuff like that, I don't, I, I didn't have to go to college. Some people, college is what you have to do but yeah um you know i think that really just educating yourself and that's kind of leading into my next question too is i want to talk about reading um are do you read at all anna
1: yeah right now one of the books that i'm reading is the heritage foundation policy handbook on how to fix the country <laughs> and so like for me it's like you know i go into this arena but like obviously i don't have all the answers right i like have a general I think moral compass of where I wanna go with things, but like there's always different solutions for things and like the way that we can really empower, I think individual over big government is one of my staples of my campaign. And so for me, that's kind of what I'm focusing on. Um, I always pick up the Bible and at least read a few passages when I can. And then it's been interesting because I've been receiving book after book after book in the mail of people that are sending me things. And actually um, a couple of days ago, Grace, my campaign manager, she brought me over a book that someone had sent in the mail, and it was a book that was given to Margaret Thatcher the day before she was elected. And so it was someone's diary, and so that's probably gonna be next on the list, but as of right now, I know it might sound like boring reading material, but that's been something that I've been kind of doing for, I think, uh, personal development, especially if I'm trying to lead a country. (laughs) And so I feel like I should be well-equipped for all those things, but I mean, I read a lot of stuff, whether it's policy, I like to read on blogs. Um, I do a lot, I think, in digital content. And so I am always reading throughout the day so that I can make sure that I can articulate things and then put that information out there in a way that people can easily understand it.
0: What's a book that you've read that's inspired you or impacted you?
1: I'm trying to think, but like way, way back in the day, I read a book called Angela's Ashes. And it was huge, I think, in the early 2000s. And then I read a, a sequel of that book and I remember reading that book as a kid and it was just such an intense, almost horrifying story, but it ended up having a really good ending. So there's, there's that one and then there's another one called A Child Called It and it was about this kid who had been severely abused and he wrote this book and then talked about his story and it actually helped people. And I think I liked reading those autobiographies because I felt like, look at these people Completely messed up lives, and look at what they attained and accomplished. And so it was really inspirational. And so I'd have to say, those are my two favorites. And then, if there was my favorite author in the world, I like a lot of um, murder mysteries and thrillers. And so, John Grisham happens to be one of my favorite authors. And he has one book that I love in particular called The Pelican Brief and A Painted House. And so, those are two books that I really liked of his. And he's like, he's definitely like one of those types of writers that you can go to the Walmart and you find him on the shelf because he's that good. <laughs>
0: Good stuff. And I like to ask that question to a lot of people, you know, I don't always ask it, but when I do, I, I you know, I, I like to ask that because I think that there's different books that different people learn things from too. Yeah. You know? I think that, um, you know, like for me, I like a lot of the Tony Robbins stuff and um, you know, the magic of thinking big is one of my favorite books, um, awesome. but, but there's other books that like, you know, that people might want to read that I might not be able to, I mean, I, I used to always refer the book thinking grow rich to people because I was 14 when I first read that book. But, <laughs> Uh, A lot of people, it's not the most interesting book. It's awesome because they go around, you know, talk to successful people back in like the 1930s um, and like what they've done. And that that was, I read it when I was 14, changed my life. But The Magic of Thinking Big is my favorite book now. It's a really good book.
1: Well, I might go grab it. I think if you guys really want a good story that, I mean, it'll just give you perspective. There's one called A Child Called It, and it's absolutely incredible. So definitely highly suggest that you check that out.
0: Yeah, check that out. So, my last question for Yana is you know, my podcast called How to Win. Yeah. And, uh, t- you know, winning can mean a lot of different things, like what it means to win, you know. So, my question to you is, what does it mean to win for you, like in life, business? And
1: I have to say that as long as you can make sure that you're effectively communicating your message and that you realize that you've actually changed people's mm-hmm. minds, that's when I actually do gauge that I'm winning. And I know that sounds weird, but like I'm currently. I know I talk about the campaign, but like, in my personal capacity, like I'm actively still working, right? And so I think a lot of people think like, oh, when you campaign, like, what do you do for work? Well, I'm still basically working towards what I'm believing in, even with the campaign. And so I'm actually a, co- um, a contributing producer, for a show that I started and it's called Americanos and it's basically focusing on Hispanic Americans and what the American dream is. And the reason I really wanted to kind of focus on that message is because I feel like so many people are caught up with like the mainstream media in regards to how they're being told on a regular basis that they're victims, right? And so what I think is important about this is that for me and everything that I'm doing, I'm basically making sure that people realize that they can attain and that we all come from different walks of life, but that's, you know, unique in what makes us us and that you can still succeed and attain. You don't have to be again, dealt the best hand, but you can really inspire others and the met or the messaging itself for the actual Um, series has been very, very inspirational. And so we're getting a lot of good feedback on that. And it's kind of cool because it's basically kind of the focus of what you're talking about in this podcast is what I've embodied and helped to direct in this series with Prager. So we're very excited about it.
0: That's awesome. And I actually watched a little bit of that on YouTube too, the video that you had on there. So
1: there's an, yeah, there's another one. If you actually go to PragerU.com slash Americanos, and then you'll be able to see every episode. So they drop on the first or second Tuesday of every month, usually. And it's um, a different personality that I've been able to talk to, hear their story, interact with, and it's been incredible.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hopping on here. Where can my listeners find more of you and help out your campaign?
1: If you want to donate to the campaign, you could go to vote on apolina.com. There's a donate button, so just click it. And then if you want to follow kind of what I'm doing, so you can see the content that I put out, um, really I think that, I think I've developed somewhat of like a news personality <laughs> on my social, but you can head over to any of my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at real on Paulina.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, you definitely have my support. I'm definitely going to be voting for you. You know, if you guys live in district 13, which is St. Pete, Florida, and um, you know, you can kind Jackson, of need
1: in excluding safety yeah. Harbor all, all the way down cuts off at the water before Sarasota. So
0: yeah. So all around there, that's what I'm saying. I wanted to make sure. Cause you know, look yeah. up district, look up district 13, if you want to know exactly where that is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, you know, Anna's awesome. She's definitely a winner. And that's why I wanted to have her on this podcast. So, Support you 100%. Thanks for hopping on. Let's keep winning. You'll hear from me soon.